Alrighty, we are back. It's another year of Duke basketball, brought to you by a couple of crazies, our perspectives, the crazy perspectives, the game recaps, our thoughts and feels. Maddie, how you doing? Oh, I am fantastic. How are you, Adam? Well, we are recording this episode right after Duke beat Kentucky um, pretty handily. I mean, it was close for the first half, but the second half they, they took uh, control there. How was that oh, for you? a strong start to the season. We actually have fresh perspective this year as we're now a couple of married crazies. So that just brings a whole other layer to the color commentary you didn't know you needed. But we need to back this train up true, because true. as wildly excited as I am about last night's performance at Madison Square Garden, so much has happened since we last spoke. I mean, I was devastation nation when we last recorded because after glimmers of hope and a last-ditch effort at what could have been an ACC tournament run, COVID shattered all of our hopes and dreams as it has done for 20-plus months. So, Adam... It is November of 2021. In fact, it's the 10th of November. Talk to me about what has happened. Yeah, uh, this episode is definitely a little overdue. We apologize for uh, that for all our fans out there. Um, But in the time we talked last, we've had some retirements. And uh, we we should mention uh, the first retirement is not who you're thinking um, it's UNC's former head coach. Roy, Roy Williams, my boy, Roy. Ugh, this one I have deep emotional conflict about. Not that I don't about the other more notable retirement we'll talk about momentarily, but I have spent a lifetime shitting on Roy Williams. What will I do? Who will wear blue argyle? Who will drop to a knee in a fit of dizziness that should inspire sympathy from me and instead just inspires rage and glee? Who will bring demons out of my soul in this way? Well, I don't have any thoughts and feels about their new head coach yet, but Roy is important because he announced his retirement, I have to say, after having recruited this year's incoming class. I'm not hating. I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, I mean, definitely an interesting move there. He's being replaced by Hubert Davis. Uh, Don't know too much about the guy. I'm not going to pretend like I do. Well, Um, what what I like about that, though, is that Hubert is another name I could have a good time with. So we'll have to see what I come up with when we play the Tar Heels twice later this season. So I'll save my Hubert commentary for a little bit later on. But far more notably, and we're not crying yet, we're just sharing direct color commentary. Adam, what is the more notable announcement? Well, if you are living under a rock, I will be the first to tell you that Coach K unfortunately announced his retirement, and this season will be his last. Now, very different from what Roy Williams did, uh, the recruiting class that he um, got to come to Cameron, he will coach them this season, hopefully, to a national championship, which I really think is the key difference between what he and Roy did. However... Me being the one with some uh, outside perspective, Roy, you know, it could have been a health concern that he just couldn't coach this year. Fine. Fair enough. Okay. World's smallest violin. Fair enough. Fair point. Moving right along. I have to say, and now we have to take our lead here from the goat himself, which is that. We are not dwelling on this being the last, though I have said it about 68,000 times in the past 24 hours after Coach K's last game at Madison Square Garden in his career. I'm not crying. You are. 
We are trying to focus on the present. I am hunting banners, people. It is banner hunting season. I am out for blood. You should be out for blood. This is it. This is our last dance. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm a little bit amped up. So Coach K announces his retirement in time to announce that, drum roll please, John Shire is the next head coach of Duke's of Duke's men's basketball. And this is important because it allows John Shire to run the summer recruiting season, which again, not hating on Roy, timing, family, pandemic, et cetera. But I just really respect that he honored his commitment to the class he'd recruited who are playing the 2021-2022 season. And then John Shire spent the summer recruiting the kids who are going to play for him next year. I just have a lot of respect for that. Yeah, and I should mention that three of the top 10 um, uh, ranked high school players are already committed to Duke for next season. Uh, And there's a fourth who came in at 47th. Um, So we already have four top 100 picks uh, for next year, top 100 players, and three of them, like I said, are in the top 10. Um, So that's really impressive stuff from John Shire already, uh, and he truly did that uh, without the help of Coach K. And so that's looking good for the future of Duke basketball. Other transactions uh, beyond the succession plan that Coach K created was that former uh, assistant coach Nate James took on a head coaching job at Austin P. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but I'm going <laughs> to go with that for roll now. Roll with it, roll with it. And uh, Emil Jefferson, who uh, retired from playing overseas, joined the coaching staff who he was a four-year player at Duke, uh, a very loved player, was never the superstar, but was a, a guy who played a lot of minutes and, and helped the Duke uh, Blue Devils be successful. I love Emil Jefferson coming back and joining this coaching staff. And I think that that's a big asset to John Shire too. And just to quickly comment on what we think of, of that pick there. John Shire bleeds Duke blue, which is the thing that I most care about in this role. Now, it's funny because... You and I have debated over the past few years, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Wojo? Is it going to be Capel? Who's going to come back and carry on the dynasty someday? Now, I had hoped that someday was going to arrive when I was around 97. That's really what I was banking on, putting Coach K close to, I don't know, 200, some sort of acceptable number that I could have lived with. But John Shire was a national champion in 2010. I believe, Adam, fact check me here, you always do, that John Shire is the first head coach, one of the only something of that nature, to win a national championship as a player and on the coaching staff where he will now be head coach. So roots at Duke go deep. Cutest little family, even though his kids cried through the uh, announcement press conference, which I loved. Super excited for them, even though I'm going to miss my girl Mickey and I just really can't begin to talk about how I feel about Coach K retiring. So with that, where does that put us, Ad? So obviously they had the countdown to craziness this year. You know, we're we're coming off a year where there were not fans in Cameron Indoor Stadium. So it was really nice to see the players get to, uh, as much as I loved the video that they did last year, it was nice to see them dance in front of the home crowd, the crazies, the true crazies. Um, That was very awesome to watch on ACC Network X. Um, (laughs) And beyond that, after the blue and white game that they played against each other, the scrimmage, uh, where we got to see some of the players that don't typically play in in real games, we got to see Duke absolutely dismantle 
uh, Winston-Salem in an exhibition game where they had almost three times the amount of points as the opposing team, which never happens. I'm just dying to know what these conversations are like. Like, is it Coach K picks up the phone and calls the head coach and is like, salutations. I would like to offer you the opportunity to be on national television, sort of, playing against Duke men's basketball in a Division One showdown in which we will dismantle you and embarrass you in a 100-plus point victory. Like, what is that interaction like, dying to be a fly on the wall? Yeah, I think both programs definitely get a lot out of it, but uh, Duke, I think, got a little bit more. Oh, I mean, I'm not hating. I got a lot out of it. It was just the boost I needed after 20 months. We're still sitting in this apartment, people. What can we say? But blowout game, strong start to the season, and got us super pumped about some of the players. But with that being said, enough of our preseason color commentary. Let's take a step back and talk about this year's roster. Adam, who do we have on this team? Well, we still have Joey Baker on this team. I say that <laughs> like uh, in a way where I don't know if I'm happy or sad about it. He's one of the two captains on the team. Uh, he's finally a senior. If we remember, go back down memory lane, he redshirted his freshman year. He ended up only getting into two games. I think the game against Syracuse with R.J. Barrett and Zion when they were a little short on players. Uh, but this is his final season. I'm hoping that he can make an impact. Um, it kind of always seems like a step forward and a step back with him, and he kind of just remains stagnant. But this is his senior year. He's a captain, and um, we'll see what he could do. Yeah, I am just dying for Joey Baker to have his, like, Lizzie McGuire movie moment where he just takes center stage and takes over. I don't know whether or not that's going to happen for us, but I have high hopes. I like Joey Baker, and he's the only senior. Like, I'd like to see him have a good season. So let's see what happens for us. Yeah, and then first, let's talk about some of the guys that are returning back to Duke this year besides for Joey Baker before we get into the new players. Uh, The other captain this year, Wendell Moore Jr., if you're a fan of this podcast, you know I'm not a huge fan of Wendell Moore Jr. Oh, However, Adam loves to hate. What I have said in private is if Wendell Moore Jr. can start this season well, he's going to have a great year. He obviously has the talent. Uh, and yesterday's game against Kentucky was definitely a good game that he had. Um, and I think that that's a very positive sign. So hoping Wendell Moore can have a senior, or not senior year, but a, a potential final year. Uh, is this a senior? I don't know. I think he's a junior. Junior. Uh, we'll fact check he'll ourselves. Have a, uh, you know, a great comeback performance, almost like Javin did in his final year. And we all know how I felt about Javin. <laughs> um, all right, who's next on your list? Another one you've got some thoughts and feelings about? Jeremy Roach. Very similar. We've noticed that last year when he was a freshman, his whole game depended on how the game started for him. If he yep. came out shooting hot, he had a great game. If he didn't, it was a pretty miserable game. It's an interesting team that Duke has. I think they recruited Jeremy Roach to be a point guard. Um, I don't see him as a true point guard. Uh, and they're really a team without a point guard, which is you know, a little odd and uh, something that concerns me about this team. However, we'll see what his growth looks like this year. Uh, maybe he ends up being the point guard. If not, it'll be uh, a variety, a committee of between Wendell Moore and some others that I'll, I'll, I'll mention soon that take the ball up and you know, lead the offense. Time will tell. Will it be a spazzy season? Will it be a successful season? Who can say? Up next is uh, one of your fan favorites from last year, Mark Williams. Marky Mark. Talk to me about Marky Mark. Well, he had a pretty average to bad first half of last year and had a really great second half of last year. 
Second half of last year, he became my favorite. He's tall. His wingspan's about 900 feet. He plays like he wants to eat someone for breakfast, even though I desperately want to buy him a cheeseburger. It does appear that someone fed him over the summer. He's bulked up a little bit, playing with more confidence. Again, we'll get into the performance we saw last night, but I am excited about Mark Williams. Yes, me too. All right, let's talk about some transfer players. Uh, Theo John comes from Marquette. Big man, legitimate, you know, D1 basketball player here. Theo John, let's just tell it like it is. Theo John's a grown-ass man, and he came from a good basketball program. Did he play for Wojo last year? He must have played for Wojo last year. I mean, Theo John knows what's up, and I am into it. Yeah, so he came over from Marquette, and I think he's going to be a super, super important part of this team, especially because we know Mark Williams doesn't like to play too many minutes. So we have two big men, two legitimately capable and different type of big men on the team. I mean, I need you to get more pumped up. We just talked about someone with a wingspan of 900 feet, and Theo John could break someone in half if he needs to. I like that in a player. Let's get excited about that potential. The other transfer is more of an interesting one. Will probably be a trivia question to many. Bates Jones transfers from Davidson. Didn't get into the game against Kentucky. Did impress a bit, a little bit, against uh, Winston-Salem with his minutes there. Bates Jones is the brother of Daniel Jones, the quarterback for the New York Giants. And I believe their sister also plays uh, soccer at Duke University. So they have some family blood there. I just think that that is the coolest, that he used his grad transfer eligibility to come play at Duke where his siblings had such fantastic careers. I wish I had any athletic ability or a sibling to follow to Duke to play a sport. I mean, I'm a little envious. It's a great story. All right, let's discuss their recruits. Number one, uh, their first recruit was is Paolo Bancaro. I always want to say Banchero, but I'm going to say Bancaro. Gotta fight the urge. Gotta fight the urge. He was the fourth overall recruit out of high school. A lot of people see him as a potential number one NBA pick in this year's Lottery. We'll see what happens after the first game. I'd say that that's probably what it's looking like. Oh, yeah, we smell game. some stardom, but it's one game, so the, the season's young. He is just a specimen. Uh, he's very tall. He's very capable at doing a lot of things that many people his size can't do. He's got great body control. He can dribble. He can shoot. Uh, he can finish. He really is a five-star player, which is why he was rated five stars. <laughs> um, next on the list, who... Potentially had an just as impressive of a game last night against Kentucky. Agreed. Trevor Keels, who's a grown man, sets the bench press record uh, in the preseason for Duke. Um, just a beast, and uh, similar to pa- Paolo, he just finishes down low. He hit the only three against Kentucky. Um, super excited to see what he does this year. And he is strong. And look, I'm not trying to overly emphasize who I think is going to like beat up on people or not, but a lot of the time you have these super talented freshmen, and it can take another year or two for them to really like fill out, and they put on weight over the summer, all the things. Trevor Keels for a freshman was like beating up on people last night. We love to see it. In case you're unclear on what I like in a player, I like the ability to beat up on other people a little bit. Into it. Gerald Henderson style. Exactly. If someone needs to break Tyler Hansborough's face, I need to know who my guy is. Next player ad. So A.J. Griffin is the next guy coming in. He was number 29 overall. I should have mentioned Trevor Keels was 23. 
Um, AJ Griffin has had, I don't want to say a rocky start to the season. He's, I mean, it's been five minutes. Give the guy a break. (laughs) He's been injured a little bit. He had a little bit of a knee issue, but he's hasn't missed any time. Uh, played some minutes against Kentucky. Um, didn't do too much, but they're, they're seemingly taking it easy on him to get his, his bearings back. No, it's a long season. They gotta, gotta get him back in shape. Yes. The last, uh, recruit, uh, Jalen Blakes, number 91 overall, um, didn't really do much. He, he got three minutes against Kentucky. Uh, but, again, another top 100 pick. So this is another year in which Duke has four top 100 players. You know, most teams in the country are lucky to get one or potentially two. Additionally, his name is Jalen. His last name's not Johnson, and I'm not mad at him. So that's just an added bonus that he has in his column. Yeah. Two returning uh, players on the bench that we probably won't see unless they are absolutely dismantling the team. Of course, everyone knows Michael Savarino, grandson of Coach K. Uh, Keenan Worthington, who has a nickname that I cannot uh, announce on the show that I (laughs) made for him. If you are interested in it, let me know. And uh, on Instagram, I will share with you. Um, Stanley Borden and Spencer Hubbard complete the roster. Uh, A seven-footer, I think, out of Turkey. And um, Spencer is, I don't know what he is, maybe a walk-on or... Some we'll have to fact check ourselves on that. Though I have to add, I just got to give a shout out, and I recognize, again, when it comes to the GOAT, I have a soft spot, but Michael Savarino did get a scholarship this year. Walk-on player, though he's the grandson of the GOAT, got a scholarship uh, in the offseason, so good for Michael. All right, Maddie. We just got back from a phenomenal game at Madison Square Garden where we saw Kansas beat Michigan State and Duke beat Kentucky in the championship Champions Classic. Brought to you by State Farm. <laughs> um, you know, always good to see Calipari lose and stomp his feet on the court. Uh, what What was your thoughts from last night's game where we couldn't see the opposing hoop because we were sitting right behind another hoop? I might have purchased bad seats. I really have a memory. Gotta say, now that we're in marriage territory, I think that this is one of those I told you so's where I have a memory of my voice saying, I don't think we're going to be able to see anything if we sit immediately behind that basket. But I digress. First of all... They deserve the loss that they got because Michigan State slapped the floor in front of my very face. What is that about? Who does that disgusting embarrassment? That's a Cameron crazy thing. I can't, I can't even, as I've been known to say, and Tom Izzo should be ashamed. Moving right along. When I'm not hating on Roy, what I love to do is hate on Calipari. The comparisons to Coach K slay me. Incomparable, I can't even. A takedown of Kentucky brings me all of the joy. Adam, was it in the fall of 2019, immediately pre-pandemic, when Duke smacked Kentucky so hard that I actually didn't think they were going to have a basketball program anymore? Do I remember that correctly? No. It was uh, 2018 to 2019. It was R.J. Barrett and Zion's year. It's been a long pandemic. I just can't even keep my dates straight. But it was in Indianapolis and we didn't get to go. But last night at Madison Square Garden, Coach K's final time in that venue in his career, not to use the F word, final, as the GOAT has told us not to, but it's a very exciting night, packed stadium, and it's amazing to see fans back in the stands, but also a big deal for this team because it means that it's not only for freshmen that it's their first time on such a big stage, but for sophomores who started their college careers in empty stadiums because of the pandemic. So it's an unusual plot twist. Normally your sophomores are a little more seasoned, but that's kind of new for them. So Ad, what did we see on the court? Well, we saw that 
the crowd has nothing, not, you know, no impact on Kiel's and Paolo Bencaro's game at all. I mean, they rose to the occasion and performed incredibly. 47 points between the two of them. They absolutely drove the Duke's offense and defense. Just both super, super impressive performances, and they were the story of the night for sure. Oh, yeah. And I mean, Keels has ice in his veins. It was amazing. I was impressed. Um, I I love Marky Mark. I was pleased with what I saw. Not as many, like, standout moments, I would say. Someone who did, unfortunately, do, for better and for worse, what he often does, I felt that Roach had what I would call, like, a signature Roach night, where I feel like he does something great and then immediately has to do something sort of spastic or throw the ball away or trip. A lot of tripping and sort of coming to lie down on the court, which we don't love to see. Um, And who was it? We had a couple of freshmen who did like the classic push off with the hand, get called for the offensive foul, which is like such a freshman rookie move that always happens. If you're Cam Reddish, you do it all season and it doesn't seem to affect you anyway. But what else did you think? You know, something I I realized I read about after the game that I didn't know while we were there was there was some moments where three of the, their starter pl- starting players had cramping issues, and that's why they weren't playing for portions of the game. But you never felt them, them missing. They always had control of the game. You know, there were brief moments where Kentucky got themselves back into it in the second half. But the point is, is you know, they have a very deep roster this year, and when someone goes down, the next guy comes in to fill the spot, and uh, that's the sign of a team that can potentially go deep into March and early April. Totally agree. Um, And as you said, didn't see a ton out of A.J. Griffin. I think probably shaking the rust off, just making sure that he's feeling 100% before he fully dives back in. But he did seem to be picking up a bit of confidence a little later in the second half. Kind of slow, slow start literally and figuratively, but probably necessary. It's early in a long season, so got to make sure he's okay. Yep, and I'll mention that Wendell Moore had a pretty good game. Uh, He had 12 points and was 6 of 10 from the field which if you remember last year, he was shooting uh, more like one of 20 from the field so <laughs> per game. So this was good to see. Three turnovers did lead the team, uh, but I will take it. For our first game against a quality team like Kentucky to only have uh, you know, nine turnovers, they had nine steals, so that kind of counterbalanced it. Um, so that was a really nice thing to see. And uh, what else do I got? I would say that I also thought it was a pretty physical game overall. I think Kentucky was fouling more, but add that brings me to a topic that can on occasion be the bane of our existence, free throws. Talk to me about our free throw shooting last night. Yeah, I mean the free throw shooting definitely improved as the game went on. It ended up around 70%, which isn't awful, but it was very first half, second was, half heavy though. Yeah. First half was a dumpster fire. Second half we sort of got it together. Yeah, you know, you want to see them improve that. You like to think that it would over the course of the year, but so long as I've been a Duke fan for the last five-plus years, they've seemingly struggled with free throws. So I don't know what to say other than I hope that improves. It's such an interesting thing because growing up watching this program, I feel like that was never, ever the case. But to a certain extent, this is just my personal hypothesis, but I feel like when you had four-year players who were very good players but not necessarily like the one-and-done superstars that you see now so much more often, I just think that some of the fundamentals were more rock-solid, and I think that they had more time to develop those skills. The one-and-dones are focused on flashier stuff. They're not standing there practicing their free throws. And sometimes, though, that's what these games come down to. So a bit of push and pull, you know, pros and cons either way. 
Two more statistical things I'd like to just chat about real quick was the offensive rebounds. Kentucky completely dominated offensively, uh, rebounding, getting second chance opportunities. Luckily, that didn't you know hurt Duke too badly, uh, but something they want to work on for other games. Um, and then Kentucky was seven of eighteen, almost forty percent from three. Whereas Duke was one of thirteen, only hit one three. Yikes! And it's impressive when you can have a game like that and then win. Um, and they won by eight points. So I think it's a really good sign that if they're not shooting well, uh, they can still still can beat the number ten team in the country. Um, and if we remember last year, I don't think Duke had one win against a top twenty five school. That was one of their big issues last year. I thought that we had agreed that we were never going to speak of that again, Adam, but that's fine. We can take that off of the podcast. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think it's a great win early in the season for them to have. Um, and uh, super proud of uh, the team so far. It was a great start. 79-71 victory. Super exciting. So, this was the first game of the season, Ad. To set the tone, we'll come back. We'll do a little walk down memory lane in a, in a few months. But what are you most excited about for this season? I'm excited about the fans being able to be there, create the true energy that, you know, Cameron has to offer. Um, you know, Duke already has a big win under their belt. I hope that they can continue that early season success against teams like Gonzaga and throughout the year, um, big wins against other uh, top 25 schools. We saw Virginia lost last night to Navy. Virginia came into the season ranked number 25, so that's a big loss for them. Uh, I want them to win the ACC this year. I, they have not been the regular season champion since I've been watching them. Uh, I want them to win the ACC tournament. I want them to win the national championship. I want them to sweep it all and have a really dominant final season for Coach K and send him off the right way. I could not agree more. Banner hunting season, people. I'm telling you, I'm out for blood. I'm out for victories. I want them to chip away one game at a time. I'll be over here sobbing fixated on the fact that it's Coach K's last season, but I don't want the players focused on that. To them, this is their time. This is their season. It's not about Coach K. He is their coach, which is his biggest thing and what he prides himself on the most. He would tell you it's a season like any other and that he's all in, so that is what we need to do. I am pumped about every minute. we got to savor it while it lasts. And in that spirit, Ad, what's coming up later this week? What's on the schedule? So first, Duke plays Army on Friday night, which is super cool because that is where Coach K played when he was in college. So that's and tomorrow's gonna, Veterans Day. It's a special Veterans Day weekend showcase. That's going to be an emotional game for him, I'm sure. That's going to be at Cameron. And then the next morning, Maddie and I get to board a flight down to Durham where we are going to go to our first game in Cameron Indoor, we are super excited. In history, people, in history. I don't think we're saying this with enough passion here. I have spent 29 and a half years on God's green earth waiting for this moment, and it is going down. We are flying in on Saturday to see all the things. There is no item in that bookstore that I will not purchase. There is no spot in that museum I will not stare at and take a picture of. And then we are going to see Duke versus Campbell at 8 p.m. on Saturday night. With just enough time to consume some barbecue, we might add. So again, DM us on Instagram and tell us where we need to be eating. Yeah, um, super exciting time to be a Duke fan right now. Super exciting time for us because we're 
We had just gone to a game at MSG. We're calling this the Week of Duke. Oh, this is the Week of Duke. Tour de Duke, Week de Duke. Get excited, people. This is a season of face pain every game, freaking out. We cannot wait to bring you all of the recaps and commentary you did not know you needed, but we'll be happy to have. Yes, and with that, we are going to sign off, and uh, we will be back after the both the Army and Campbell games. And we'll Fresh out of Cameron, forever changed. Can't wait to see what we have to share with you then. Yes, so uh, this has been Maddie and Adam with A Couple of Crazies. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at A Couple of Crazies. The crazies, the K is, the C is a K. A Couple of Crazies. Maddie, don't laugh at me. It's been a very long day. (laughs) We have 39 followers, so that would be really great if you guys could follow us. What else can I say to make you follow us? Please follow us. A couple of crazies. Have a great day.